0: Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones.
1: Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Mike Westgate is VP of Marketing at Brigo, the leader in connected coffee. He is responsible for Brigo's B2B and B2C brand strategy, PR and communications, product marketing and retail sales programs. Prior to Brigo, he was the VP of Marketing for commercial real estate data marketplace, Real Massive. Before that, Westgate led marketing and client engagements for W2O Group, a network of digital marketing services agencies supporting Fortune 500 marketers with customer insights, strategy, and analytics. Before W2O Group, Mike spent nearly four years at Microsoft in Windows product marketing and the SMB audience marketing roles. Prior to his foray in technology, he completed five years at Sara Lee and two years at General Mills in a variety of CPG sales and marketing roles. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite, Mike.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Lori. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Well, I'm excited to be here, too. We're chit-chatting away about this tiny little town uh, that Longmont is based in, and Mike has been here. Mike has been to Longmont, Colorado.
0: (laughs) That's right. I loved it. I'd I, I love to be there right now. Austin's great, but it's 100 degrees here.
1: Uh, I know. It's about 85 and no humidity here, so you can't get more perfect than that, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I tell you, you have held some incredible roles in your great, great, great uh, background here and, and uh, quite a leader when it comes to marketing. What is it that you love so much about the roles that you've held and, and really what brought you to Brigo?
0: Well, it's been kind of a varied journey. you mentioned where I came from. I kind of have two lives. If you look at my career, it started in CPG and uh, spent some time at General Mills and Sarah Lee, really cut my teeth on sales and marketing, really the essence of building a brand and consumer insights, shopper behaviors and so forth. And um, loved every minute of it. But at that time, when I decided, okay, is this for me? For, uh, for the length of my career, the iPod was coming out. I fell in love with Apple's marketing. Microsoft was doing really cool stuff. And I just, I, I desired to work on a tech brand. So I decided to come to grad school here in Austin, Texas, and made the career leap up uh, into tech and joined Microsoft in Seattle. And it's kind of like the pendulum swinging, you know, it's really, really steeped in consumer insights and consumerism, and then uh, developed this kind of tech appreciation and tech knowledge for tech-driven products, cloud-driven products. And I think it was a nice balance to how I look at things today is there's, I believe a bit of a convergence happening. If you look at how tech companies are are hiring and investing in kind of consumerism, consumer data, um, really developing segmentation and targeting programs, consumer brands are investing in technology to make sure that they're digitally relevant. So it's, it's kind of a cool place for me to be. And I feel like that's exactly where I landed here at Brigo.
1: It is exciting. And, and, We're going to talk today about affinity-based audience profiling, and you mentioned segmentation. And so many of the marketers out there right now are really starting to key in or hone in on segmentation and in a very, very different way than we did in years past. The audience profiles of the past, especially with AI available to us today, are you know really something that we should not even be taking a look at with the data that is available? Talk to us about your love for affinity-based marketing and give us a quick overview, if you will, on what led you to this aha moment when it came to ultimately implementing integrated programs at Brigo.
0: Sure. Yeah. This actually it kind of goes back to my time on the agency side post Microsoft. I worked at W two O Group and and that agency or the group of agencies was really pioneers in looking at social and digital web-based audience analytics doing social graphic analysis looking at influencer analysis and letting the data lead the way in terms of strategy and communications and I was fortunate to work with a Awesome guy just brilliant strategist and analytic mind. His name is Dean Macbeth. he started his career kind of launching the, the revamped Old Spice brand persona And he had since, after, you know, kind of moved on and landed here at Brigo, he had gone on to create his own agency based in this kind of audience-based profiling, but more modern agile analytics. And if, as you kind of mentioned, you know, the days passed when we would sit in focus groups, um, you know, invest in lengthy market research projects that would take six months to a year to vet, and then you try to enact the results. This is really, really rapid fire, almost real time understanding who is the core audience or that that early adopter you need to win over that influences the rest of the market. And if you do your analytics correctly, there's a full prescription on where they hang out online, what conversations they have, the other brands they have affinity for. So it kind of helps write your marketing mix.
1: Well, it really does. And there are so many tools available uh, to us today to help ultimately help us get there. But before we talk about some of that marketers, as you've stated, are always trying to gain insights so that we can provide that very, very specific, relevant piece of content to them at that right moment in time so that we can you know, help really move them down the funnel to make that buying decision. How does affinity-based audience profiling do that differently?
0: Yeah, I think it's a bit more As I mentioned before, prescriptive and focused on who you're trying to reach. It's not the everything to everyone, which creates kind of whitewash messaging. The way we applied it here at Brigo was basically decided everybody drinks coffee. You have some behemoth competitors out there. So how and why are we different? What do we do that makes us really unique and compelling? So we started with basically panel-based analysis, knowing that we'd have to win over the millennials because they are the largest consumer segment consuming coffee at an accelerating rate. But that's pretty, a pretty large segment uh, as well. So once you start to apply some filters that align with your product, ours in particular, obviously coffee and then on-demand services, apply those filters and then apply kind of a US filter using audience-based affinity profiling and actually applying Watson Analytics to do cluster analysis revealed all these unique tribes. And it wasn't who is the biggest tribe and win them over, it was who is the best aligned with what your brand can deliver that will have the heaviest influence on the rest of the market. So this agency I referenced, uh, Shepard, they're kind of built on the philosophy of this one 990 rule of influence in the marketplace. 1% create uh, a taste or a preference or, you know, product affinity, 9% kind of engage with that content online and the rest of the 90% lurk and learn. It aligns pretty well with product adoption curves, right? right? So for a, Uh, you know, kind of a startup scale-up brand of our stage without unlimited resources and just kind of launching into new markets, we had to choose who is our hero segment, who's going to adopt first and be so proud and enthusiastic about their experience that they will influence the rest of the market. So we identified this core tribe that just happens to align perfectly with what we deliver, what we do, why it's different, and what they're looking for in a coffee on-demand service is the super techie tribe.
1: You know, what's interesting about that is that the super techie tribe became that tribe that you would achieve, you know, I don't know what percent of sales with, but I, you know, I'm sure it's the bulk of it. And on the surface, just looking at the data, you can't find that they're all techie. You can only find that by, you know, unpeeling the onion, if you will, and really honing in on what the profiling is telling you.
0: That's exactly right. That's where kind of the art means science, and the science and the Watson analytics and the cluster analysis will tell you who are the tribes and what do they care about, but then you have to apply kind of the dot connecting capabilities of, okay, if they like these five to 10 brands and things, what does that exemplify, and why do they use these hashtags in their online content and searches? And about these media channels and influencers, what is unique about them? And you start to develop kind of these preferences for different products, categories, and also clusters within specific MSAs and markets.
1: So you've got your tech tribe. What kind of additional data are you continuing to mine as you're moving them through the funnel to bring them to the point of purchase?
0: Yeah, it's it's um, kind of evolving for us. It starts kind of at the the market launch level. Okay, well, where did, where did they concentrate more heavily than other markets? So, you know, going into Cleveland, Ohio may be less of a target rich environment than us going into the Bay Area. And that may sound obvious, but there's a couple other high concentration of tech tribes around the country. And a company like ours, you can't just launch everywhere. We have to be selective about which markets we launch. So, High high kind of index in terms of techie concentration for us were obviously Bay Area, Austin, Boulder, Colorado, Boston, and LA. So if you think about market launch strategy, that's kind of where it starts. Okay, if we launch there, we have a good chance of winning the early adopters. Now, when we launch that market, what press outlets do they follow? What influencers matter most to them? What media do they consume? What other brands do they like? What conversations are they having online? that helps us create content and messaging that aligns with search and conversation behaviors.
1: Right, and, and you actually developed something called an affinity score. That helped you even hone in more so that you were able to really utilize that data to not just market from a content strategy, but page strategies as well. Talk to us some more about that affinity score and how ultimately our listeners can day, today can take that information and apply it to what they are working on uh, from a marketing standpoint.
0: Yeah, so the affinity score is basically how much more likely is our core audience to follow, like, or engage with a particular brand or online persona. And that could be, you know, an airline, it could be a YouTube channel, it could be a Twitter profile for a comedian on Twitter, uh, it could be another news outlet like Mashable or Fast Company. So, in terms of getting selective about where you place your paid media, either by channel or by by type, whether it be out-of-home, digital, social, web, paid search, it helps focus those dollars and those resources to better reach that audience where they hang out. Kind of fishing where the fish are, essentially.
1: Yeah, I like it. And then you take that one step further to the array of tribe. And, and again, all this is built on great, great data and honing, you know, creating those one-on-one relationships, if you will, um, with the audience as they're moving through the funnel. Talk to us about the array of, of tribe.
0: Yeah, so this is an output of the analysis that says, you know, of the coffee and on-demand consumer tribes that we've developed or that we've discovered through the cluster analysis, how far apart are they and where do they sit on the coffee and on-demand service scale? And if you look at them almost like a heat map with the techies being right in the center, which other tribes are closest to them? So we know there's, once you kind of boil it down, the number of people in the US that are millennial minded that have a coffee affinity, then overlay the Venn diagram on top of that that have a high affinity for on-demand services, specifically within that, the techies, there's about six million in the US. Well, what's the next tribe That's close a fine to-
1: market. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is, it is, but they make the most noise online for services like ours. So there are, you know, our, our raving fans, but who else within pl- close proximity to them can we discover that might also be an early adopter or the next wave of adoption for us? And those happen to be, uh, let's see, so that was the TV Royales, the Boiler Room, and Fashionistas. So they share certain affinities with regards to coffee and on-demand services that we can kind of broaden our messaging and broaden our, our targeting to expand our addressable market.
1: Now, what you're explaining here is is really table stakes, uh, in, in my mind. It's what we need from a brand standpoint to understand before we can even um, develop, uh, you know, go-to strategies from a content standpoint, uh, from an integrated mix standpoint, so on and so forth. Why are these adjacent affinity areas so important?
0: Well, it's important because your audience for whatever product, no matter how ubiquitous, is not always talking, thinking, consuming, um, engaging with that product or that category. They have other interests that they display online. They have other hobbies and topics and lifestyles that they support. So how do you kind of surround them in those areas that are relevant to your brand and your audience with engaging content, programs, promotions, um, conversations? And that kind of goes back to, how do they feel? What do you know about your product, the category, the audience, how do they feel about it? And what purpose does it serve in their lives? So after looking at all these different interest areas, these top affinity brands across different categories for the techie audience, we discovered a couple of things specifically about coffee that led us to, to be a little bit more effective about how we talk about our brand and how heavy we beat that drama. So if you look back at the techies and, and coffee specifically, Quality is paramount for them. So coffee is fuel for their lives. They're super enthusiastic about just a few in-home brands. They trust themselves to brew good coffee. They have a high affinity for just a few kind of third wave high-end coffee shops. And they have very little interest in national brands, ubiquitous shops that you would know the usual suspects. So that tells us that coffee is fuel for their lifestyles. They want it to be good, but it helps them get somewhere or do something. They don't spend a ton of time in coffee shops. If they do, it's gonna be super high end, once again, because they prefer coffee. But really what underpins what they're most interested in, what coffee helps them do is work, code, spend time online, engage with technology. They believe in technology. They believe technology is the answer to mo- most problems, can improve most lives and products. So you know, once again, translating that back to us is, should we bring the tech forward a bit more to add proof points to why the coffee is so great? And then finally, something you learn just by watching kind of the behaviors online and how they, um, how they engage with each other and how they hang out in tribes, in chat rooms, and community forums is everything is in beta. There's always opportunities to develop. So to us, that would suggest how do you enlist your early adopters, your enthusiasts to, to make your product better, to refine your menu, hack our menu, help us understand you know, the ability to pull better shots. And test content programs so it's been really fun to apply those kind of the truths the audience truths to discover what is a bit beyond coffee that we can attach to thematically that makes our message land and resonate a bit better with this audience
1: you know what i love about this whole approach is it truly is very very gutsy and it took research to get there uh you know just on the surface one would not take a look at coffee and believe that it's best marketed through a tech audience. And the gutsy approach that you have taken, I think is something you know, to really be commended by the team of marketers that you're leading from a segmentation standpoint. One area from a content strategy that we really hone in on is uh, this whole concept of great brands need to think like TV networks. And I, I, we were recently reading a great blog post or an, actually it was an ebook by Convince and Convert And there are three main categories within each in every content strategy that we as marketers really need to hone in on. Um, There are quote unquote, the binge worthy, worthy shows. So this is that steady content that can be executed on a regular and consistent basis. It's really top of funnel uh, focused. And, you know, there's the video series that tie in this, into this area, a webinar series, you know, podcast series. A lot of people look at this as the hub of the spoke, if you will. And then there are the one-time shows. There are those special shows that attack a major customer pain point. Our topic. So if there is a big tech trade show that's happening, um, this would be an area for Brigo to ultimately push out some great content surrounding that. And, And you could even do that geographically located by shows. And then there are, you know, that's trade show as an example. And then there are the regularly scheduled shows, right? Those are the ongoing social channels that we push out at the same time and the same day and every week you know our typical uh content strategies with facebook you know linkedin so on and so forth how have you integrated um your content strategies and and 90 of marketing out there today is truly content driven how have you integrated these strategies to tie into this tv quote-unquote network approach
0: oh it's a great question Um, and i think it's a great analogy too and it's kind of funny you bring up netflix We, we we love to emulate Netflix. I think we're a little closer to Netflix and Uber than maybe we might be to Starbucks model. Uh, we have so much data that we, at our fingertips at how our customers consume our coffee, how they configure it and customize it, when they drink what, and then the network effect of them visiting different coffee houses in our network that I hope and suspect in time we can be even smarter about notifying our customers what people are drinking around them and adding more value to the Brigo experience, the more you use it, much like Netflix. You know, The more and more I use Netflix or binge shows, they're presenting better recommendations for me about what I might want to watch next. So, so we're kind of um, trying to make a, take a scientific approach to CRM, both in our app and then with our email and kind of push notifications, is based on behaviors and coffee consumption habits to be there top of mind when we believe our customers are ready to try something different or have their regular coffee. Next, you mentioned trade shows. This is um, this is a really fortunate opportunity that we live right down the street from Dell, and Dell, yeah. obviously being a, a major, you know, one of the global leaders in technology, has several components within our coffee house, and we found the right team internally at Dell on the kind of audience customer marketing side to help tell our story this is great for us obviously it it lends credibility to the technology and the quality of what we can produce on a global scale and i think it's great for them because they're able to to say we're powering the future of coffee with dell technologies so we've been able to tell that story online but then very literally at the dell technologies world in las vegas they they basically hosted us brought one of our coffee houses there wrapped it in dell blue and we provided connected coffees to their 15,000 top customers and partners for a week in Las Vegas. It was amazing.
1: That is so cool. I yeah. love it.
0: The most literal case study you can imagine at a conference is providing Dell powered coffee to, to Dell enthusiasts. So that was, yeah. that was pretty awesome. One of those lightning strikes. And then kind of the, um, you know, the, the always on viral social nature. We know if, we, if we're going to appeal to a new audience, we have to be in surround sound and operate with relevant content across multiple channels. That includes having a, you know, a, a relevant kind of steady state of blogs coming out, whether that be thought leadership, posts and content referencing our, our commitment to origin in Latin and where our beans come from, newsworthy press releases that, we, that we've come out with, you know, around deals that we've made with, um, you know, global concessionaires to, to expand within multiple airports. And then, of course, the social channels where our audience hangs out and Instagram and, and producing viral kind of inspirational content there, whether it be Twitter, LinkedIn, and news sharing about leadership, Facebook, and engaging people with articles and then just kind of fun, friendly, inspirational quotes. So it's, it really is a multi-channel approach to surrounding the audience with areas, topics, and, and coffee inspiration when and where they're looking
1: you you know you bring up something that i think is very interesting and and i'd like to talk about a little bit further which is this this concept of content atomization and one piece of content ultimately can be and should be used eight different ways. How mm-hmm. are you deploying strategies like that to really extend the, you know, the thought process and the forethought, if you will, on really, you know, a piece of content that you can get in front of an audience and and slice and dice and and really, you know, use it through the buyer journey.
0: Now it's a it's a great point, and uh, especially for a which I would say you know still. We are still in kind of scale up growth mode, uh, which means that you know budgets are limited. You have to be smart with your dollars and your time and your and your bandwidth. So, how do we get thoughtful about content production and make sure that you get uh, not just one time use out of any any asset you produce? So, we spent some time at an off-site developing our our content and editorial themes under the blanket of this this idea that perfect is personal. Um, that's a tagline for us that refers to How people like to consume their coffee, how they like to configure it, the the fact that we're enabling people through the app or at the coffee house to dial it in exactly the way they want it, name and save their favorites, and then use that as fuel and a companion on their journey. That's probably the the biggest point of differentiation between us and a Starbucks, a third place, a third wave, whatever you want to call it. We're not a cafe experience. We really are are an on-demand, on-the-go, gourmet coffee product. As we're thinking of this kind of blanket or hero theme, perfect as personal, what are the key kind of content types that we need to develop? Well, we need to showcase how Brigo enhances a workplace experience, because we have great engagement and, uh, at our coffee house placements that we have in corporate environments. We need to showcase that it's a fantastic on-the-go travel companion, because airports are a fantastic vertical for us. Uh, We need to look at education, hospitals, convention centers, anywhere else where coffee is is kind of an on-the-go, on-demand luxury item. Uh, So if we're going to produce any asset, whether it be video or do a photo shoot, it really has to be cut, sliced, and diced within those themes to pervade social channels, our website, CRM content, digital ads and assets, paid search, I mean, you name it. We we can't just have, you know, one asset per channel.
1: I could not agree with you more. The bottom line is great brands create complete content experience through affinity-based audience profiling. Mike Westgate, you've provided so much insight today regarding how people can implement the same sort of strategy you have. Thank you so much for your appearance on the Integrate and Ignite
0: podcast. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. This episode is complete. But the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avasetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.